Yeah. No, I appreciated that. I uh, we got to get in the got to get in the Father's Day mode. Uh, appreciated having a couple dads up here. I know they it was it was uh, it was challenging to hold it in, um, but the truth is is. Man, if you're just a if you're just a dude, if you're just a man in general, those are those are classics. And and the older you get, I would say the dumber the jokes get, but really it's the better. The better they get, they do. So hey, I've, I want to dig into our series this morning. Uh, I'm gonna I've got a, a text that I'm gonna read in uh, the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter six, and. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the passage of Scripture, and then I want to walk through what we're going to talk about this morning in our summer playlist series. Our passage of Scripture this morning, uh, our, there's two, two places. The first one is Romans 12. The next one is Mark chapter 6. So the first one is Romans 12, verse 10. Paul is talking. Uh, here he's writing, and he says, Honor one another above yourselves. Everybody say, Yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. And then Mark chapter 6, Mark writes, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And so when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him? What What are these remarkable, remarkable Miracles he is performing. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. This is the word of the Lord. Everybody said, thanks be to God. A lot of people would say that we are living in an age of perpetual offense. We're uh, quick to judge, we're quick to criticize, we're quick to condemn, we're quick to, we're quick, quick, quick to cancel anybody that offends. You guys notice that? You guys picked up on that a little bit, just a little? It used to just be, you know, politicians and celebrities and maybe business leaders, but we kind of moved on. Now it's anybody. It's, it's, it's your kid's school teacher. You know, it's, uh, it's somebody you work with. It's a friend. It's uh, on, on social media. They're just canceled. They're gone. It doesn't take much. It's one maybe single misstatement or a moment of foolishness, a moment of sinfulness. We just write them out. They're, they're gone. We live in an age of perpetual offense. Truth is, is if you're on a if you are on a continual search to be offended, you're always going to find what you're looking for. You're always going to find it. This is how 24-hour news exists today, because you'll always find what you're looking for. You're looking for something to be afraid of, you're going to find it. If you're looking for tragedy, you're going to find it. If you're looking to, for something to be offended about, man, there's a lot to be offended over. Isn't there? Romans 12 says, honor one another above yourselves. So let me ask you this question. How are we doing 
honoring one another above ourselves. I want to talk this morning for a few minutes on one of the most important and overlooked values that we find in Scripture. That's honor. It's actually one of our values as a church that we have here as we go in through our summer playlist of values, and that is a, that honor is our lifestyle. Honor becomes a lifestyle, not just a, a virtue, not just a characteristic that we lean toward every once in a while, but it becomes a lifestyle. I want to talk about cultivating a lifestyle of honor in a culture of dishonor. So I want to talk about what honor is, why it's difficult to honor, and then the third thing is, is who is it that we're, who is it that we're supposed to honor? The challenge that you're going to have today is, today's message is, is, is thinking that I'm talking about being nice. I'm not talking about being nice. Honor is not niceness. But if, if that's how you think of it, then you're going, to have, you're going to think I'm preaching a message on being nice. And that's, it, being nice is good. You, you should be nice. That is a thing. You should do that. Um, however, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a core characteristic of God here, which is honor. And so Jesus is in the middle of his ministry, and miracles are happening, and crowds are following, and word is out that this is the Messiah. And so Jesus heads back into his, his childhood hometown. Childhood hometown. You ever... Uh, you ever moved away from your, from your childhood hometown and, and then gone back and visited? Anybody ever done that? Some of y'all are like, no, I did not move away. I'm, I'm still here. I'm here. I'm still visiting. I'd like to go away and then come, maybe come back or never. Did you see anybody while you were there, while you were, while you were visiting? Anybody been back to a, a high school reunion? Anybody old enough to go back to a high school reunion yet? Have you, have you gone? Anybody gone to a high school reunion? No? You go back and... People are telling some of the old, old stories that you hoped everybody had forgotten. Anybody going back to the high school reunion and they start telling the, telling the stories and you're like, I knew I shouldn't have come? Anybody hear the nicknames you wanted everybody to forget? And you're like, they, they still remember that? They're still calling? It's, it, you just go back and then you question, you're like, how did, I, how did I end back over here again? It's like you never left. So here's Jesus back in his hometown and he's He's famous, but he's still just the local at the same time. And so in his hometown, Jesus is without honor. So it says he's, he's without honor. The word there, without honor, the Greek word that's used there, it means, means to dishonor or to treat as common or ordinary, just ordinary, without honor, ordinary. Honor, the other word that's there, means to value or respect, to highly esteem, to treat as, as precious, weighty, valuable. That's what honor means. So what, is, what does honor do? What is it that honor does? Honor, honor esteems, it, it, it cherishes, it, it builds up, it believes the best. Dishonor does basically the opposite. It, it tears down, it treats as ordinary devalues, dishonor, assumes the worst. So, so what's, the, what's, the, uh, what's the picture there? So you, you imagine there's a guy and he wants to date a girl. He, he meets, a, meets a girl and he wants to date her. He wants to take her out. So what does he, what does he do when they go out? He shows, her, he shows her honor, right? Maybe he gets out and he opens the door 
for her. Maybe he brings a gift. Here's a, here's, here's a flower, you know, or flowers, multiple, more than one flower. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he gives, a, gives a small gift. He compliments her. Wow, thank you for going out with me. I never thought you'd say yes, you know, and then you look stunning, whatever. People still do this, or you just kind of text people now? I don't know. I, this is, so, you're, so what do you do? You, you, you're showing honor. It's just, you know, he goes out. He never posts anything in his life except on this first date. He posts, he and her together, you know, hashtag true love. You know, I'm, I'm in, you know. And then you, you're scrolling through, and you're like, wow, this guy, he's, he's in it. Over time, they get married because she has fallen for him. He's felt she's, she's, been, she's been honored. And relationship starts to settle in. And they begin to take each other for granted, and it begins to treat her as ordinary. Ordinary. Comments, the compliments kind of go away. The, the posts go away. The, the gifts go away. And just begin to settle in. You know, what do you, what do you want for dinner? I don't know, what do you want for dinner? What do you just, well, it's another Tuesday, you know. You want a, you want a God-honoring marriage. Scripture says to honor one another above yourself. You want a, you want a, a common ma- marriage, then you treat everybody, each other, as ordinary. Because when you do, what was once special becomes Common. And the mistake is this. The mistake is thinking that once you become honorable, once you become honorable, then I'm going to show you honor. And honor doesn't work that way. Respect and honor are not the same thing. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Honor is given. There's two different things. And so when you ascribe honor to somebody, often they end up becoming honorable because honor builds up and dishonor tears down. So I've got a definition of honor. It's my own definition. I made it up. But, I, but I, I, uh, I, I like this picture that it gives. It's, it is the, honor is the practice of responding to the image of God within creation that has been concealed by sin. Now, that's, that's loaded, all right? I'm going to unpack it real quick. Honor is this. It is the practice, everybody say practice, of responding to the image of God within creation that has been concealed by sin. At its core, honor has to do with recognizing the fingerprint of God on his creation. Did you catch that? Honor is a practiced response to what is already there underneath. The problem is recognizing God's fingerprint on his creation is difficult because everything... His, his, his fingerprint seems concealed. It seems, it seems covered up. Genesis 1, the very first page of the Bible, we see that God has created everything, and each time he goes through the, the, the order of creation, he goes, I've, I've created this, and it's good. This is good. And then he gets to the person, the man, and he creates man and woman, and he says, all these things are good, but these are very good. Very good. Then just two pages later, we get in Genesis 3, and sin and brokenness enters the world. Everything's changed. And ever since then, it is infinitely easier to see the brokenness all around us than it ever is to notice the original good intention that God had for it at the beginning. How easy is it now to recognize brokenness around us than it is to recognize on first glance, what God is doing. 
There's, there's several things that are concealed that we have to do a little bit of digging to, be, to begin to see. The first one is this, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is hidden in plain sight. So, so Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking and he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, what's that word? Hidden, hidden in a field. And so when a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking. Everybody say looking. Looking for fine pearls. And so when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and he bought it. The kingdom of heaven, the ways, the works of God that he came to reveal are underneath the surface. You just, unless, unless you have what Jesus said, eyes to see and ears to hear, it's, those things are hard, it's hard to see. The kingdom of heaven is, it's like a guy, he found this hidden treasure. The other thing that's hidden, people. People are, people are hidden in plain sight. God's people are hidden in plain sight. Paul's talking in Romans chapter 8, and he says, creation, all of creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed to be revealed skip down verse 22 says we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies oh that's a that is a loaded passage of scripture and basically what that means is the fullness of who god is inside of his creation and inside of you has yet to be fully revealed and even the world is groaning waiting on god to restore all things creation waits eagerly on the children of god to be revealed fully and to rule and reign how God called us to do. The other thing that's hidden are the truths of God. The truths of God. They're hidden, but they're hidden in plain sight. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 25. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings or, or, or people, of man, to search things out. So it's actually our job to search and uncover the truth and the beauty of God. How do you and I do that? As a follower of Jesus, how is it that you and I, this broken creation before us, and yet God's given us these eyes to see and ears to hear, how are we to uncover and unveil the hiddenness? That are, how, how is it that we do that? By cultivating, listen to this, a lifestyle of honor. It's the key to revealing the truth of God in our lives. In, in other words, through honor, we reveal the nearness of Jesus to those who feel far from him. That's our vision. We want to reveal the nearness, the closeness of Jesus to those who feel far from him. How many of you guys at some point in your life, maybe even right now, you thought, man, I, I, I feel like, whether you believed it or not, I feel like God is a million miles away from me. And yet we know God's word says that he, he, he never leaves. And so how is it that we reveal that? So Mark chapter 6, passage we just read, here, here's the response to Jesus showing up to his hometown. He comes to hometown, he says, isn't this the carpenter, isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they all took offense at him. So when they saw Jesus of Nazareth, when the people there saw him, 
They scoffed. They said, he's just a, he's just a carpenter. He's ordinary. He's the, he's the, the, he was the annoying kid that all the teachers loved in school because he knew all the answers. It's just, we know, we know, it's just Jesus. He, he, he knew, knew, he's just the guy, he made, he's, he made my coffee table. He's a carpenter. He just, he's my coffee, he made my coffee table. How, how awesome could Jesus be? And he's back in his hometown and they're remembering who he was. So they scoffed and they were offended and not much really different today. We look for reasons to be offended. And yet, it is honor, a lifestyle of honor, the key that unlocks and reveals God's good intention for you and for me and for creation. So real quick, I just want to go through a couple things, uh, 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 four things that we are, uh, that God has called us to honor. And if you'll begin to take this journey of honor and cultivate it, now, it's, now it's, it is impossibly challenging without God's help because the culture that we live in is such a dishonorable culture. You and I have been taught to live out of dishonor. We've, we've been taught wrong. The messages, the, the, the messages that we hear regularly on every bit of media streaming that we can find, the messages that we live in at work, at school, every, it is a dishonoring culture. And yet, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, and I'll show you just in a minute, what is lost when we live that out. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you, you, can, you can follow Jesus and at the same time miss out on so much that God has for you because you've adopted a dishonorable culture, because God's um, uh, miraculous provision works through honor. I'm going to show you that in a minute. So a couple of things that God calls us to honor. First one is this. We're called to honor God. There you go. Honor God. Scripture gives us a lot of ways, ways we honor God uh, with, with what he gives us. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your, of your crop. So we honor God with all that is important. We just went through a, a, a generosity series. I'm not going to hammer this point. But what we do is we take what has gripped our hearts and we turn and respond and we go, God, it's all yours. So we do that with our wealth. We do that with um, our, our body. We honor God with our body. That means there's some places that we go. There's some places that we won't go, and there's some things that we won't do, and there's some things that we won't look at, and there's some things that we will do that may seem different from others because He's called us to be holy and to be set apart with our bodies. Your body actually isn't even your own. 1 Corinthians says this, Chapter 6, Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually, look at this, sins against their own body. Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, what's that word? Honor God with your bodies. So with our wealth, with our, with our bodies, with our, third one is this, with our worship. With our worship. It's not, it's not lip service. It's from the overflow of our hearts because of who he is and what he's done. We honor the goodness of God in a culture that makes fun of God. Yet we honor God with our worship. 
The second one is this. So we're called to honor God. The second one is called to honor our parents. It's Father's Day. This is, there's a, uh, plenty of people in here with a, just a wide diversity of your family dynamic. And I, I understand that this morning. I just want to say this. Uh, Ephesians 6, Paul's talking. He says, honor your father and mother. He's quoting an Old Testament passage, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it'll go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So you, you're sitting here and you may be like, man, my, my, I, don't, I don't know about that. My, my, my parents are weird. I don't know about honoring my parents. My parents are weird. And here's the truth. <clears throat> they are weird. They are weird. Your parents, your parents are weird. But we're not called as a parent. Now, grandparents are going to argue with me. But we're not called as a parent to be our kids' buddies as much as we are called to be their spiritual leader. And so Scripture tells us to honor our father and mother. So you, you, you got to come up with different ways of what that looks like at your house. And so I, 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 grew up, uh, I'm a, I'm, I grew up in the South, and if you didn't grow up in the South, this may even be offensive to you. I've met people who this was offensive to. But for us, we, we work at saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and no, ma'am at my house with my kids. And uh, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying for us, the way I grew up was one of the ways that you honor those that are uh, 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 leaders, so it's parents, teachers, whatever, is you, is you, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir. And so we, we do that. Why? It's not because it's a magical phrase. It's not because it's the hard line rule. of the house. It is just a way for us to cultivate honor. And I have met somebody before who I said yes, sir, to, and they were legitimately offended at me. But they weren't from the South. And so I was like, no, I didn't know. That's a, it's a good thing down here. No, I'm telling you, for real. So, but no, 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 you, we're, called to, we're, called to, we're called to honor we're called to honor. And so if, if, you, if you don't teach honor on some level, you're robbing kids, you're robbing grandkids, you're robbing the youth of the blessing of teaching them to ascribe honor to those around them. There's, a, there's an actual blessing there. The third one is this, honor those in authority, those in authority. Over the years, I've, I've, uh, I've liked some leaders in authority more than I've liked others. There's a way to say it. I've, li- I've liked some more than I've liked others. I've disagreed with tone or policy, but you can disagree vehemently without dishonoring. In fact, there, Paul has a lot to say in Romans 13 about honoring those in authority. And so we pray for those that we voted for. And we pray for those that we didn't vote for. We pray for our leaders. You don't have to agree to honor. You don't have to do that. King David, before he was king, Saul was king. And Saul is, is a crazy, crazy, uh, uh, there's a lot, a lot of story to that narrative. However, there were multiple times where King Saul at the time, after David had already been anointed to be king, Saul was still king, and Saul went after to kill him. And David, the entire time, while he was being chased and Saul was trying to kill him, stayed and honored King Saul the entire time. He said, I, 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 will, I will never lift my hand against God's anointed. And God blessed him for it. God blessed him for it. And, and, and as, as far back as I can tell, I've... I've 
I've gone back. I'm not that old, but I'm kind of old. And I've, I've never had a president try to kill me. And so if you can be under that type of authority like David and still show honor, our God shows us how to honor our leaders with the posture of prayer. And I can just tell you this. Agreeing or disagreeing vehemently, your heart will change for those in authority if you really pray for them. It's been hard to harbor bitterness toward anybody in my life that I've prayed for. Now, it's easy to get angry. It's, it, it can be really easy to get angry right now. But I can tell you this, it's hard for that anger to take root and to, and to uh, shift into bitterness and poison that well of your soul. It's hard if you're praying for them. And so let that be a challenge. God calls us to honor uh, those in authority. Uh, fourth one is this, honor our, our pastors and our spiritual leaders. So I, I don't want this to sound self-serving, so I'm going to deflect a little bit on this one. Um, uh, but Scripture does say uh, that those oversee the, 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 the church are, are worthy of, of double honor. And so to our leaders in our church, to those that, uh, uh, that serve our kids, um, those that are, take care of our, our students, double honor. Double honor. I, I, I remember, I remember uh, when Lindsay and I were in ministry, and we were family ministries pastors, and I remember the, the most, uh, we had a lot of kids and a lot of students, but I remember there was, a, there was a, a lot of, several families like this, but there was one family in particular that used to, the kids, when they were very little, they started out before they could hardly even write. But they would come in on, on Christmas uh, and a couple other times during the year, and they would hand us cards in the, in the kids' ministry. And it would be a handwritten card, and um, on the front of it would, be, it would be legible, like it would say, you know, Pastor Joel or Pastor Lindsay or something like that. And then, but you'd open it up, and it would be maybe like, a, it started out like a picture you're like, oh, thank you. And sometimes there'd be a little gift card in there or whatever. And so here's these little kids. And, and I remember both of these kids, brother and a sister, they came every year for years. And what their parents were doing were they were, they were partnering with the kids and they were teaching them, this is how we treat those in authority, both at school, because I knew they did the same thing with their teachers, but also spiritual authority. And so we honor them. So they would come in. I, I still remember I'm getting these little cards and they would write out, what they were grateful for about us. Now, that sounds self-serving. I'm just telling you, let me know if you in here hate to, hear, hate to receive cards written out with all kinds of encouragement that are in there. If that's you, you don't want a card with encouragement, just let me know. But for the rest of us, it was so, it was so good. And those in our church that serve in those spiritual uh, leadership roles Scripture says deserve should be honored. And guess who's blessed through that? You are. As you honor those, you are. Why? Because you're aligning yourself with God's order of creation. God, God uh, showed us uh, how to do that. Why, 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 does this, why does it matter? Not only because it's right, not only because you're aligning yourself, but, but because dishonor actually hurts you. This passage of Scripture we just read a minute ago is, is powerful. Look at this. Right after Jesus is there, Mark 6, verse 4, it says, Jesus said to them as they, were, took, as they took offense at him, Jesus says to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. He's back home. It says, among his relatives and in his own home. 
He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. It doesn't say he would not. It says he could not. That is, I don't, I'm just telling you, that's hard for me to understand. I don't, I don't totally understand that because when I think about God incarnate in the flesh, Jesus here, I think there's nothing that he can't do. In fact, he says, I'll do whatever I see the Father doing. And so you think Jesus, can, Jesus is, he has all power, all authority, all dominion. I mean, we, we, we'll sing it. And yet Jesus, it says right here, Mark says, he could not do maybe even what he wanted to do. Why? Why could he not? Because there was a lack of honor. That's wild. So we have to ask the question, I wonder what miracles, I wonder what miracles God has wanted to do for us in our own lives. Maybe what blessings he's wanted to bring in our own lives. What prayers he's wanted to answer in our own lives, but couldn't because of a lack of honor. If Jesus was hindered, if the miracles of Jesus were hindered based on a lack of honor, which directly was reflected by the faith of that town, if Jesus' miracles were, how much more so for us now? Why is honor important? Because God can't do what he wants to do in us if we don't. Romans 12, 10. I love this. This is basically the only place in Scripture that we find where, um, where we're supposed to compete with one another spiritually. All right, we had a little competition earlier. This morning, all right, I think it did it end in a tie. Did we end in a tie over here? I don't even, the only reason I cut that off was because I felt like we were going to go too long. I'm totally against ties. I just want, that, that just needs to be known. I'm get, we got to have a winner. So maybe afterwards, we'll just, we'll just finish this up. Yeah, we'll fight it out. Okay. <laughs> really, did you hear that? <laughs> this is the only place in Scripture where we are to compete with one another spiritually. We are to compete with honor. So Romans 12, 10 outdo one another in showing honor. And so when we honor, when we honor God, we honor people. Why? Why do we do that even when they're different and when they're wrong? Man, I know some, I know some wrong people. Y'all know anybody here? Y'all know any wrong people? Like I, I got these people in my mind. I know they're wrong. Because they're still his and his name is still on them. Because they need the same grace that you and I need. You're not common. You're not ordinary you bear his name. So what, is a, what does a lifestyle of honor look like at a church? I can tell you this. It's, it's not about being nice. You should be nice. Don't be mean. Don't, I don't want to, this can't be the mean church. What, is it, what does it look like as a church? I just want you to imagine. Just imagine a church that spends its time going around uncovering the hiddenness of the kingdom and the value of people and the truths of God and pointing them out. It would, it would change the entire environment. Imagine a, a church that's always offering the, 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 the best seat, the, 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 the best seat, the, 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 the first thing. The church that, imagine a church that's full of people going around and, and, they're, and they're giving each other gifts all the time for every occasion you can think of. Not, not expensive, you're just making up stuff why you can give each other stuff, why you can honor each other. Why it's a birthday, it's an anniversary. Oh, you just oh you just got a new job and then you just start making stuff up. You're like, why did you give me this? Well it's the, it's the third Sunday of the month. And so I wanted to just wanted to honor you. Someone says, why are you getting me this? It's just an ordinary day. 
It's just ordinary me. And the answer is, there isn't anything ordinary about you or ordinary about today. <laughs> and nothing ordinary. There's nothing ordinary about you and nothing ordinary about today. This is, this is the day the Lord has made. Man, if God's made the day, there's something special today. If God's made you, there's something special there. How do we, what, what, what does that look like? People wouldn't even know how to respond. In, in a culture whose native language is dishonor, it, it'd, be like a, it'd be like a glass of water in the desert. When you're used to living in a culture of dishonor all day, it'd be like getting a glass of water in the desert. I, I, I heard a, a pastor talking one time. He talked about going on a, a missions trip. And uh, he was on a mission trip, and uh, it was a, a builder's trip. So they went to go build. They were building a church in a, a country in South America, and it was blazing hot. It was in the summer. They were working on this church. The, uh, the, uh, everybody's just, the, the team that had gone down together, they were all sweating to death. And the coordinator, the, the local pastor, the coordinary, uh, coordinator, um, ran to go get everybody something to drink. And so there's a couple guys that are on the roof, and they're doing some roofing. There's other guys that are working on some other stuff. And he said, he goes, we were, we were so thirsty. So we were so thirsty. He said, and I saw the pastor running. I'll never forget the picture in my mind of this guy telling the story. And I saw, he said, I saw the pastor running, and he had this huge case of bottled Coca-Colas. And he comes running over, and he, and he puts the case down. He sets it on, a, on a, um, a barrel, on the top of a barrel, and he sets it down. So everybody comes over, and they grab the Cokes, and the Cokes are uh, hot. They've been sitting out in the sun all day. And so he's so happy, and he takes the, top, the Coke tops off, and he starts passing around hot Cokes on this hot day, and they're dying of thirst. And he says, all of us are like, we don't even care. We'll take anything. He said, well, I take the, the Coke, and he said, I just downed it. All of us did. We're down, and it is hot, fizzy Coke. We think we're going to die, and so we drink this Coke, and he goes, immediately all of us got sick. We're completely sick. I'm just telling you. Let me just tell you this. Let me, just tell, you, let, let me tell you what honor is. Honor it in the case of Coca-Cola's on a hot summer day while you're outside working. Honor is a giant cooler full of ice-cold Gatorades in a culture that is dying, dying of thirst. For it to be revealed of, how, of, of its original intent. God's original intent over people. God's original intent over creation. God's original intent, uh, intent for his church. This culture is dying. They are thirsting to death to see a culture of what it looks like to actually honor. What, what does that look like? And so for our church, I just see our church as we're growing, as we're moving in this space, and our church is growing, and and I I love it. I love it. But I I want our church to grow right. I want our roots to go deep. I I would love for anybody that comes to visit and stay or visit and leave, the reputation stays the same. I have never been in a place in all my life where I felt so valued, where I felt so honored. Why? Because the fingerprint, original intent of God is on that person. And what are we doing? We're going all over the place. We're pulling these blankets off, revealing God's good original intent. That's what a lifestyle of honor looks like. Let me pray for you this morning.
I want to pray for you. Our, um, uh, maybe you're in here this morning and um, you just say, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, there's a lot of things going on in my life. And if I'm honest, Joel, you preach this message on honor. And there, there, actually, there's some things that are going on in my life that are, that are not God honoring. I'm, I'm not living a God honoring life. He's not first. Maybe he's, not even a, maybe he's not even a priority. And the truth is, is the only, the, the, the only way to follow Jesus sustainably long-term is for him not to be a part of your life, but for him to be all of your life. And if there are other things that you're honoring, doesn't honor God, if that's you in here and you just say, Joel, I, I'm not living a God-honoring life, and I know it, and, 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 there, and there are reasons why, and... I'm not going to ask you what those are, but your prayer this morning is this. It's just a confession. God, I'm, I'm not living a God-honoring life, but I want to change that today. I'm going to change that today. There are things that are in the way, and I want you to move those out of the way, and instead I'm going to prioritize you. You will be my whole life. If that's you, there's nobody looking around. Everybody's eyes closed. It's only me and the Holy Spirit. If that's you and you go, I'm not living a God-honoring life, but I'm going to, by God's grace, Him changing my heart today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high and you put it back down? Yeah, anybody else? Yep, yep. Thank you, thank you. Maybe, maybe you're in here and you just say, uh, th- there's, there actually is somebody in my life that, I sh- that I, there's a huge struggle in me to honor. You talked this whole morning about living an honoring life and, and in the back of my head is this person and for good reason, for good reason, I, I struggle honoring. And I just need more of God's grace today so that he can teach me how to uh, balance what that looks like, how to live a God-honoring life, a, a, a people-honoring life, to honor those God's called me to do at the same time. There's somebody, in, and I need God's grace for that. That's your prayer. There's nobody looking around. Would you just lift your hand real, real high? I need God's grace for that. Yeah, yeah, so many of us. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Yeah. God, this morning, how grateful I am Lord, for what you've done and what you're doing in our church. God, I pray for those that have lifted their hand that said that they're not living a God-honoring life, but you're doing a miracle, a miraculous work in their heart this morning. Lord, I pray for an extra amount of grace on those this morning that said there's, there's, there's people or there's a person in my life that I struggle honoring. I need to know better how to do that. I need to know God's grace on how to move forward with that. And so, God, I pray that you would do that right now. And Lord, I pray as, a, as the spiritual leader of this, of our church here, God, I just declare a spirit of honor over our church and over our hearts. God, a church that builds up rather than tears down, that, a church that sees through all the junk and uncovers the goodness of God in people. And God, that we become a voice of encouragement, of unity, of hope, and of faith. God, I declare a spirit of honor in our homes, in our marriages, in our children, in our relationships at work. God, I declare that today, and I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.